Hey, what's up, guys? Bars Loaded, episode two here. Does your programming suck? Um, today we'll cover programming, different training systems, what you're doing right now, um, what's the best programming for you, uh, who is doing your programming, and you know what you should choose going forward. Uh, we got uh, uh, the regular crew, Nez Hoover here, Mr. NFP, joined with Mrs. NFP, Cruel Hand Luke, and we even got Beaver here, ro rovering around. So, uh, first we're going to start out with, you know, kind of programming in general. Um, you know, I, I think that programming a lot of times, people are getting it from all over the place that don't know, and there's so much shit out there that... You know, the, er, er, rather than stick to one thing, people are just trying to try their next well, eight-week program. Or I guess it's fine. I, I guess it's fine though. Like when you're first starting out, you know, most people starting out don't, you know, know what they're really doing or what. Yeah, like when so. I first, I first uh, started, you know, lifting. I was just at defined fitness you know watching everyone around me what they're doing and you know incline dumbbell and shit like that quarter squats and not you sure know i mean luke's still that. doing that stuff yeah. but that's true <laughs> but uh you know so i guess you know you got you got to start somewhere but at the same time you well, know when, i, I guess you I, figured out that okay whether you're doing powerlifting, crossfit strongman um, some sort of competitive sport, I feel like you need to zero in on a certain type of programming to make sure that you're able to to get proper results in the different areas. Well, and I think, too, there's so much bullshit out on the Internet. You know, people Google powerlifting programming, and some guy with good, uh, you know marketing skills puts out some bullshit program and everyone's going to follow it that doesn't know until they get get down to it and realize they're already yeah. six months down the road wasted five six hundred dollars on this guy's programming and realize well it didn't do anything for me well and i, I think the <coughs> the main thing is you know anything's gonna work at the beginning yeah it's just finding something to stick So, with. like, you get get someone that's been lifting for two months, and someone puts their programming, oh, look at all these gains I've gotten. Yeah, it's... Oh, they couldn't have gotten those gains from the guy, the bums out on the front that we had to shoo away this morning. <laughs> True. You know? I mean, it doesn't take a whole lot to get that those initial gains going. For but, a lot of these beginners. Once you kind of hit your potential that... You know, that's what's going to separate you from, from getting to the next level. Or, well, from or just I'm speaking staying. from like a trainer's aspect or a coach's aspect. You know, once you already already have these athletes that you know kind of starting to hit their potential, where are you going to take them? You know, beyond that. Yeah, being being able to help your different athletes uh, exceed just being part of the situation yeah. than excelling and getting to the next level and with that being said i like like our newer lifters you know even though we do conjugate i like them to do what, what works for them yeah well what works for them and i think a good one is is the 531 you know i did that for three and a half years you know and it gets a little boring 
But at the same time, it gets you time underneath the bar. And it yeah. teaches you. It gives you like a base. Well, how long? Because that's you... what I started with. I started with what five, six years ago. Yeah. I started on five, three, one, and then just learned how to bench, learned how to squat, Learn learned how. how to deadlift, learned you know to do it the right way, and then now that I'm doing conjugate, obviously it's more fun. You get to max out a little bit more, and. I don't know. Yeah. You already have that base, so you already, well, uh, you know. That, I mean, you're always learning, but you you have more of a better idea of what you're doing. Yeah, it helps you develop the, that extra volume that I think beginner lifters need just because they're, they don't know yet on how much volume they do or don't need. So it's a good general guidance for them to get good volume in with still being able to uh, move heavier weight and it it'll create a guide for them to stick to a certain program because you can uh, rotate it every um, every time and, I, well, and you could play with it I think beginning lifters don't need to be attached to bands all over the place looking like a freaking bungee ride you know but at the same time like they just need to learn how to lift yeah yeah you know it's just i think because if you get too specialized at the beginning then there becomes deficiencies in the athlete and like like you were saying like you're quoting louis you know there shouldn't be any weak links in the chain that's right so i guess the main thing is you know getting in learning how to lift Getting underneath the bar and going from there. Eventually, you get to a point where you know five three one isn't gonna. I mean, I guess you could continue to run it, but you what I saw, make you the know, progress yeah. that you need. I think when, you can accelerate you, yeah. the progress a little bit more once you get beyond that initial beginner yeah. stages of training, and so, then I think that's where like a lot of us were able to. Uh, see ourselves going and once we we did the 531 for so long then we made the transition over to uh, conjugate and that's I mean we've seen tremendous improvements to all our lifters and athletes from all our raw lifters to our equipped lifters well then that's where you get you know. And then it makes it fun again. Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying that you adapted to the five three one over time? Yes, I or not. Maybe too, not, not necessarily not, adapted, just from it. Yeah. I think I think five three one kind of taught us how to lift, and then you know from there we were able to start adding specialty bars and different stuff like that. Kind of take it to the next level. I mean. What kind of lifting did you do when you first started lifting? Uh, go in there and max out on whatever I wanted to every <laughs> single day. See, but it worked, though, right? <laughs> it did, and then uh, it, once it stopped working, I declined really hard. And, the, and, and started, that, I, I got a knee injury. And then that's where you got to figure out. That's where actually, like, you know, someone that knows behind yeah. the program comes into play. Because you went in there and just went Yeah, I just out. went hard every day doing whatever I wanted, and I paid the consequences for it. Lifts started going down. Uh, things started getting injured. 
messed up my knee, and to this day, my knee still kind of feels a little junky from that experience. Well, and I, I think that's a problem too. Is you know, is someone that gets a program that's too advanced for them, you know, and they're jumping in with six chains and cambered bar on a low box, and can't even do a regular back squat. So. Yeah, it, it get, getting too special for a beginner definitely isn't the way to go. It's like gonna hinder their training definitely. I guess for they, they have a lot of like you said earlier, they have a lot of deficiencies. And, and for th- those of you guys out there that don't know what the five three one is, um, is developed by Jim Wendler. And basically you're progressing through percentages and it's a four week wave. So the first week you're doing fives and then the second week you're doing threes and the third week uh, you're doing a single or more and then you deload and then come back to it again and you add <clears throat> what what is it five pounds to an upper and to, ten to, to a lower to your working max to your yeah to your working max not even your, regular. Not even your you know one rm it's a working max that you're working towards uh so i mean it's it's pretty linear it, uh, Go ahead. Is a five three one just basically the classic lifts with a change of reps and sets? Yeah, so it's squat, bench, deadlift, and overhead press. Okay. Um, as they kind of start going, like I did with Robbie here in the gym, he's been running five three one for a little while. I substituted his overhead press day with a speed bench day. Oh, so you can make adjustments to it? On yeah, the I mean, nothing is absolute when it comes to training. So I think that if you know that, then you you, you can open make, yourself up to a lot more. You can make adjustments yeah. as needed. I think uh, some people try making too many adjustments too often instead of just before, sticking to a program before letting something actually work or not work. So rather than just sticking to, oh, I'm only doing my this eight-week program or this 12-week program, and all of a sudden four weeks in, they don't see results they they feel is necessary, all of a sudden like, they oh, make a change. Work. They're like, oh, yeah, this doesn't work. When at that point in time, they don't, they don't know what yeah. works because they haven't really given it a significant go. Right. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. You have You see a lot of people that... They think they have no idea what they're doing, but they think they do because they're not seeing those changes. And at the end of the day, you just really have to trust your training. And yeah. I think that's where a lot of people go wrong. And, like, what did I tell you um, about your boy that found those lifters they are doing linear? And there's nothing wrong with linear. But at some point, the, our bodies aren't perfect. So, you know, linear doesn't come linear forever. And that's what, that's where I think the kink is in it you know what i mean you don't have steady progressions it's not an easy line it's up and down on a graph you know sometimes where you're getting here and then you're going to plateau you're never going to just continue to be linear all the way through you know what i'm saying yeah and with that being said like you see okay yes everyone makes different progress in their training like one oh for whatever reason your, their deadlift is going up, but something else is lagging behind. So they okay. They need to 
change something accordingly to help increase their lagging lift, whether it's their bench or their squat, to help that. And so that'll continue and then progressively just making the different adjustments from that. So, I mean, I got a I got an email yesterday and asking about our programming and what we do. And for those of you guys that don't know, Azia Strength Systems, NFP CrossFit, we've, you know, been running conjugate programming. Or I guess, like Coach C would like to say, it's a system. It's right. not a program. And we've been doing that for the last, you know. All since, since we officially opened... Uh, so, so, so five you know, years for five years, but Anthony, you know, worked with Louis in the early '90s, and he's taught us. We were we lucked out because we learned that early early in our, in our training. A lot of people for years and years are at you know commercial gym, kind of googling what they're supposed to be doing or paying someone a shit ton for training. To give them a workout, not even for training. It's just, oh, here's your workout for today. And well, that's it. I, I, and But the problem with that is what I've noticed is some people, they get their daily workout, but they don't know anything behind it. They don't know, well, is there a grand scheme of things? Is there... Or why they're doing yeah, it. Yeah, they're just, okay, I know how to do each of these five to eight movements that they handed me or they emailed me i'm gonna go do that and that's it without really knowing all right why am i doing this accessory work for my hamstrings why am i doing this accessory work for my lower back and just having the base knowledge for that to know why you're doing well and i think the problem and i hate to hate anyone's hustle because we've done some online stuff with different lifters. I mean, nothing substitutes face-to-face, you know. But somebody can write you a program that's 3,000 miles away, and they don't know who you are. You know what I mean? They don't know where you are. I mean, you can ask questions or whatever. But unless I see you actually lifting every day, I can see the deficiencies or the strengths in your training, you know, and we can... uh, adjust accordingly as opposed to you know just writing out a 12 weeker and here you go and here you go run with it or and how's yeah, it going this is what i think is going to work for you and there or, you go i mean you you could see, we'll see your progress you could see stuff to an extent through video right but even with video analysis like you're still not gonna see you're not going to be able to constantly What kind of rotate. mood is this person yeah. coming in the gym every day? Um, what's their lifestyle? Are they busy every day? We might have to knock down the volume. What, are they what's, eating enough? Are they eating enough? Is their job? You know, there's a lot of factors. That's why, like, when I've done some stuff uh, uh, for Steve and some of those lifters out in Germany, I only did four weeks at a time. And I would talk to them after, like, three or four weeks. How's it going? Like, And then kind of... A, you know, have a general plan, but at the same yeah. time, you have to be able to make adjustments. Yeah, definitely making the adjustments as they go. Also, uh, for instance, I know uh, Steve uh, tweaked his back a little bit, so like we're helping him out and having to make adjustments to his training so that he can still train and try to just develop. Train around it. Yeah, just train around it while that injury um, healed itself. With all that being said, though, um, 
some of the spatial exercises that we may give people will kind of reveal weaknesses and if we're getting feedback from them they're going to be saying like oh I, I couldn't you know do a tape press I couldn't I couldn't extend this and we could kind of uh, see where they're weak yeah, make, make make the adjustments accordingly. Well, and that's what makes you know online coaching and stuff tough, is because you don't know what kind. Of, you have to find out what kind of equipment they're even yeah have available. Have available. That. You can't be at, you know whether you're helping someone that's in a commercial gym to someone that's in a garage gym to someone that's in a hardcore gym, someone that's just visiting a, a friend to use whatever they have i think that uh like you know going back to uh, what we do we've adapted the conjugate programming uh or system as opposed to programming to powerlifting strongman crossfit and then even the the different athletes that we've had and i think that's what makes it so versatile is because you know you can adapt it to any anything you're doing like, there's uh, there's not a whole lot of strongmen doing conjugate, and you know Louis had John out to Columbus or at Westside to go train because you know they noticed his conjugate programming and stuff like that, and he's adapting it to strongman. Like before strongman, they just do events every day, and which is fine. You need to learn the different events like the stone or the yoke or the log press. But once you get into that, the training is not much different than than strongman, uh, than powerlifting. Excuse me, but it's uh, you got guys like Brian Shaw who do a very similar system, where he's squat, bench, and deadlifting variations, different bars, and then you know he'll have he'll have a day or so where he does some event training just to keep sharp or whatever. But you don't, he doesn't need to learn that. Now, as far as, like, CrossFit, Laura Phelps has done a good job out, obviously, coming from Westside, adapting it to CrossFit, and that's what we've done. And I think that's what's helped us, you know, going forward. And as a CrossFit athlete, that's one thing I've been able to adapt. Um, You know, like you had mentioned at the beginning, the 531, when I first started lifting at Zia Strength Systems when I was 18 years old, 18 to 20, you know, that's, I saw a lot of gains there with the 531, and it was really helpful. Then, um, I'm like most of you out there, I took a, you know, took time off. Um, you know, you have other, um, you know, other, other things in life, life that come up, and you take time off. Well, when I came back to Zia Strength Systems, and I started working with CrossFit, and they had already started the conjugate um, system, um, I was able to adapt because of that 531. <laughs> Um, well, you had already learned had how to base. lift. Learn, yeah, yeah. I had, had that the base, base already on, developed. Exactly. So. What do you What do you see as far as CrossFit? The benefits to using conjugate compared to a lot of the other training, as far as coming, you know, not just metcons, but you know, actual strength training. Because as a powerlifter, I see a lot of deficiencies in CrossFit. And I think that's why it gets a bad rap. But as a coach, what do you like about conjugate compared to other types of training? What I like is it definitely helps all the athletes from 
the beginners to the elite athletes. It helps them develop absolute strength and just developing their strength in general because a lot of these different crossfitters i've seen is how they're they're weak just flat out weak and and a lot of them uh, of general crossfitters they're go in breathe hard for 20 30 minutes 40 minutes whatever their metcon is for the day and then but there's actually no no rhyme or, yeah they're no rhyme or reason why they're doing something or they wonder why oh well i haven't hit a a pr on the, a squat for the last 18 you, months I, I feel like you hear that a lot in crossfit oh, i haven't hit a pr in eight months or whatever on this squad or that too and then you get a lot of injuries so i think us implementing that into there i think that's why all of our none of our athletes have really been injured because they're building their back they're building you know everything that they need to be strong in so they're not getting hurt and whereas these other gyms you know they just throw them in there and they just kind of have to well, figure it out or they just do all these like you said hard well, breathing think, metcons or amraps yeah. or whatever and they could go for days but when it comes down to maxing out on something or doing a heavy wad they can't do it because they don't have that strength i think and, that's where the where crossfit gets a bad rap is because of the injuries yeah because yeah. i think uh sometimes uh people are asked to do certain movements that they aren't just strong enough to well for example let their body handle it i understand you know what why you know people bash on kipping pull-ups but it's for efficiency during a workout yes you know it it's easier to do 20 kipping pull-ups than obviously 20 strict pull-ups yes but at the same time that's a lot of different movement it exposes your shoulders and a lot of stuff so if you can't do so if you're not strong program, enough or flexible enough to do a regular do a, pull a up, regular pull up you have no then business you, yeah no business even attempting a kipping pull up so unless uh like in for instance we have people that have come in here never been able to do a pull up before in their life i and i see it all the time in crossfit what first thing these coaches do oh put a band on there well i've seen i saw a girl who was putting a band she had been doing at another CrossFit gym for years. Put a band because she couldn't do a strict pull-up. And two years later, she still couldn't do a strict pull-up. The problem with putting a band on a pull-up is it initiates the movement, which is the hardest portion of the pull-up. If someone doesn't know how to initiate and activate the proper muscles to do the pull-up, then how are they ever going to be able to do it even after two years down the road? They don't know how to activate it. Yeah, and I think so a- activating the pull is the hardest part of the movement. I think that's another thing, too. Like, as part of when you are writing out programming, you need to know what you're weak at and you need to work on those weaknesses and build around those because, I mean, you can't get better if you... Well, yeah. and that comes back down to it. If Who's doing your programming? They may be 3,000 miles away and never met you, but you send an email and you send a PayPal to them. So they're going to do programming for you. And 
you know, is it right? Is it wrong? I don't, I, I don't really have the answer, but at the same time, well, they especially don't, if you have a client that. that like just says, "Oh, how did today's workout go?" and they're just like, "Oh, it was good," or "Oh, I struggled a little bit with this," but they don't really say like, Why? "Oh, yeah. I couldn't, I, I couldn't do this or I couldn't do that or wh- where it felt, where you feel it, where you don't feel it," and well, most like just those little the things to even. Say, oh, say, oh, I, I'm struggling. I was struggling today. Struggling, yeah. You know, yeah. I was struggling today because um, this was tight or I couldn't move to a certain point. And that, too, going back to like beginners, like you said, some people can't even tell the difference between being sore versus, you know, being weak or hurt or injured. And then that just plays a whole nother role to it, too. A whole nother can so, You know, I, I think that. Athletes in general have a tough time when it comes to, uh, in certain sports, coming to, you know, training and strength training. Well, Like, and, like and CrossFit coming, and MMA. I always put them together because they're both very young sports. Yes. And the training for it is still evolving. I mean, training is always evolving, but at the same time, those two sports are very, so it hasn't been done for a very long time. How long has the CrossFit game been around? About 10 years, a little more than 10 years. I'm pretty sure this was the 10th anniversary. So 10th anniversary, MMA, you know, the UFC, right around 2000, maybe 99, 98. So So, still less than 20 years. Yeah. So people don't, and before, you know, in MMA, it was, you know, tough guys that were winning or jujitsu guys that would just choke you out. And and now these guys are freaking athletes, so. They're and a lot more well-rounded. You, now you're starting to see the generation of fighter that grew up doing MMA or has grown up since the sport has been active. And I, I think that's one thing you're seeing with CrossFit that you mentioned. MMA is becoming more well-rounded. With CrossFit, it's not just who can last the longest, who has the best lungs. Now strength is being implemented and you know you're, you have to be strong and be able to move weight um, at a consistent basis as well well some of these some of these you know open workouts are heavy you know for several reps or you know for time and you're moving heavy weight for a long time you have to have that that strength, strength you can't just have those lungs and the biggest thing i say is like we can build someone's lungs and a couple of weeks, you know, yeah, we're four or five weeks, three, four. Yeah, yeah we're, we're three, in four. altitude. It's not that hard. Yeah, three, but at four the same time weeks. How, you could get conditioned. How long but does it take to can't get someone strong and to three get or four yeah. weeks? Yeah. So exactly. So if I understand the benefits of CrossFit for the general public, but at the same time, coaches need to be aware. That that, and, and there's good coaches. Athlete. Yeah, there, there's good coaches out there that know that, but there's also a lot of shitty coaches out there. That don't know that. Yes, I agree. And like another sport that, even though it's not a young sport, but I think strength and conditioning for it is very, uh, I guess, immature and subjective. Is boxing? It's boxing, yeah. You know the old adage that don't lift weights because you get big and bulky and slow and slow. That that was what you know. That's what people said for years. And but they're only thinking of lifting weights as bodybuilding, mm-hmm. yeah. big blocky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that's true. They're one hundred percent right. But that's not the only way to, to train. train and to lift weights. 
they're athletes just like anybody else. They should be training like athletes um, train. And same thing with MMA. Same thing with CrossFit. Same thing with a guy down the street that's that's golfing. Yeah. You know, the, he he obviously he's gonna need a little bit more rotational and different stuff like that. And there's some specialty exercises that each of these use. I hate to say sports specific. I don't like that word. I like it more of the specialty. But there's more ways to train than just like the old adage of big blocky bodybuilding because there's no direct correlation between muscle size and strength. Yeah. There's big blocky, you know, bodybuilders that aren't even close to as strong as a guy that you see down the road and he just looks like, you know, he's... Probably so those elite. guys that worked on a farm throwing yeah. hay bales all yeah, the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we mentioned that in the last podcast about kids growing up throwing hay bales. Yeah. But, you know, some of these guys look like garbage men, but they're stronger, stronger than shit, shit, you know. They and they don't, But they don't look it. But they go up against a big blocky power, and you ask somebody who doesn't know, who, you know, who's stronger. Obviously, they're going to pick the bodybuilder. Just because Just because he looks like it. Yeah. Yeah, and th- there's ways to train and build strength without adding muscle, and size. size, and body weight. Mm-hmm. And that's huge for boxing, or that's huge for MMA, whether it's weight classes. Yeah. And that's why, like, power lifters, you'll see small guys lifting big weights. You know, we've got... Uh, uh, just what's, like... What's the a... cat's name? Uh, uh, they call him the ant. Richard yeah, Hawthorne. Richard Hawthorne. Richard. Richard Hawthorne's 130... Two pounds, yeah, and he deadlifts over six hundred. Yeah, he's totaling over. So you can't tell me he can't be strong at a small body weight. So I think that uh, the main thing that we want to get across to guys is that make sure your programming is is consistent with what kind of athlete and where you, what level you're at. And also coming from someone that hasn't just been doing it for the last six months. And that they have have your best interests at heart and not just the paycheck. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with people making money. We all, you know, need to eat. But at the same time, make sure that they're not just doing it so you're another number. You're actually... Value. Name, yeah, value. 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 Ask, value. One thing I would say is ask a lot of questions. You know, that way you can, you know, know the purpose behind what you're doing, and um, you know, finding out how much your, you know, your coach knows, and uh, finding out their credibility. That's the best way to find out credibility is asking a lot of questions. Or if you don't know how to complete a movement, your coach ask. should probably if know pro- how to. Well, if he's programming, he <laughs> yeah, better know. He how better to. know what he's doing. Uh, and right. if you and if you have a coach that's programming a movement that can't complete the movement, there's a good chance it's probably not a variable, very credible when it comes to that movement. So keep that in mind as well. You got anything, Luke? Um, how would you avoid slumps in your training? Well, I, and I think that going back to conjugate, I think that's how we we continue to your your to progress. Your progress almost becomes linear, even though your tra- your programming isn't linear. Because <laughs> it's fine. You, you can change you can change you know your rep scheme, you right. change your bar, 
uh, your grip, your, your stance. grip, your stance, your box height, whatever. Um, I I talked to a guy, or uh, you know, was riding a guy this morning. He was asking about box heights, what he should do, and I, and I told him, you know, it, it's just going to depend on where your lift is and where you're weak. If you're feeling like you're weak from the bottom, then maybe you need to lower the box just a little bit. So you know, I think. That's why in conjugate, we're able to, we vary the training so much that we're not slumping as much. We, I mean, never, we never adapt. Yeah, so you're, you're, you're never adapting and you're able, to make, yeah, you're able to make the adjustments for a, a vast variety of people. So what will help them specifically, not necessarily, here's your program for you 10 people and let it ride. Whereas you can make the adjustments, whether it is your grip, whether it is the box you're using, the different bar, different um, accommodating resistance. Like you can make adjustments accordingly to where each individual stands. A question I got uh, last Saturday uh, when, when we mentioned about what we're going to have on the podcast this week was how do we set up a conjugate system? Now, for those of you guys who don't know, you'll have a max effort upper day, which will include, you know, a bench, a floor press, something so obviously upper, upper body movement pertaining to your bench. Uh, then you'll have a max effort lower day, which will either be some variation of a squat or a deadlift or like good a good morning. morning. And some, then you'll have dynamic days. So you'll have your dynamic lower and you'll have your dynamic upper. Your dynamic days are based on percentages of your one RM. And depending on who you have accommodating resistance, which is bands or chains, your your percentage is gonna be a little bit different than if you don't have. If you're just going straight weight. Straight bar. Yeah. If you if you're doing straight weight, you're gonna be right around seventy five percent and progress to about what is it? It's a, it's a, if you're going to do a three-week wave, it's 75, 80, and 85, and then you're going to go back down. And then if you if you have a com- if you're oh, using me, bands or chains, bands chains 50, 55, and 60. 60, and then you're going to wave back through that. And the main thing, like I, I try to tell a lot of people is, yeah, you're going to set up your percentages, but make sure you're moving the bar yeah, it's Fast. like on some Fast people enough. that are on their second or third week of their dynamic movement and for whatever reason they're a little beat up that day and they're supposed to be using 55 or 60 percent and then but the bar's not moving accordingly, back it down to 50 percent or 55 percent just depending and make sure that bar's moving and even if that day for whatever reason your 50% isn't moving like it should. Back down a little bit more, take another 5-10% off, and make sure you're working that the speed rather than, oh, I have to stick with this exact number, and all of a sudden you see these people struggling and trying to grind out 60% for eight doubles. And that's going back, that's knowing, back to the, I mean, not to take it off track, but back to the programming, 
um, you know how important it is uh, that your coach know the everyday struggles that you're 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 coming up against in life um, on a regular basis. That way you can know, hey, is that 60% gonna kill me today? Do I need to lower it down and and put less weight on it? That way, you know, I can move the bar and develop that explosiveness. Well, if and if your weight's consistently moving too slow, then you need to reevaluate what where you are as far as percentages is, is going. You know, I think that sometimes people are, are going strictly off percentages. Like I said, there's no absolutes and their bar's moving way too slow. Yeah, no, I had a guy in here, he was doing 55% and using light bands. And I went over and talked to him because his bar wasn't moving uh, very quickly and he honestly looked like he was struggling so I told him I was like hey um, I asked him I was like well what weight are you going off of and and he tells me oh he's using this max effort squat that he got over two years ago when in the last six months he hasn't come anywhere close to maxing out near that make sure you're using a proper number to go off of. Yeah, not so um, much like yeah. an all-time PR, but something within at a, least a current last, PR. Yeah, something within the last four to six months that you know if you had to attempt, or you're going to attempt it on the following max effort lower day, you know you're going to be either at or just above Very or below. Close. Yeah, with within five to ten pounds, not. 100 pounds off what you're using for your your weight and i would say caution on the side of being a little bit less than a little bit more yeah focus on your speed not so much 55 percent if you have to back it down a little bit and your your one rm that you're going off of is a 450 squat but everything's moving super slow maybe go off a 440 435. Yeah, yeah, because it, the speed is going to be the key on your dynamic portion of your training. Not, oh, I have to stay at these heavier numbers, and all of a sudden you're not getting the work in and the speed and the acceleration that you're looking for on a dynamic lower day. Don't try to accelerate your progress by putting more weight. It's not the way to go. go so naturally, that happens too. That's one thing. You know, when I first came back and started getting back into it, that's one place that I struggled. So I feel like you guys are sharing my business out here on the internet. <laughs> but um, no, that's one thing that yeah, you run you, into. You want to make that that progress and make those jumps. When you know what, just stick. You know, that's where it's important to have the programming, and you know, you're moving that weight at an explosive speed for a reason. And trust the system. Yeah. I, I guess my, my last point I want to get across today is trust the system because too many people try, too oh, I tried things. that. I tried that. I tried this, that, and the other. The problem is everyone tried everything rather than Yeah, but if you only try it for yet. 8 to 12 weeks, you don't, need, you don't know, that know time, if it works. In that time, you don't know if it works. 
Yeah, you need to try sticking that, to it for that's why years it's a creative at a system. Time. Well, and then yeah. I think that being said too, like when I first started doing conjugate, I was freaking wrecked after those first like I don't remember if it was eight or twelve weeks that I did, and um, I was just exhausted. But then after that first cycle, uh, I went back, competed, and then I went back and started my next cycle of training, and and then I felt a lot better and. So I was like, oh, okay, now I could trust this. And I think the so out there on the internet, there's a lot of well, conjugate doesn't work for raw lifters, and which is complete bullshit for one. But I think the reason that's out there is it conjugate's kind of tough to. I guess you're going into me. It's kind of tough to trust that it's working for the first time because you spend so much time. You know, we don't pull from the floor. Every, everyone's we, always questioning, oh, well, I need to pull from the floor. I need to do it. When you really you, don't need to do that. Um, so it's tough to trust. And if you don't have someone there with you to reassure you that, hey, what we're doing is working, then it is tough to trust. And I think that's why so many raw lifters, new raw lifters, say that it doesn't work for raw lifting because it's tough to trust and at the end going up to me they kind of get insecure and want to they don't have away that confidence but at the same time remember that you know this is a marathon not a sprint you're not going to break a world record your first meet so just continue on the path and trust the system and you'll get to where where your potential is going to lead you yeah. So, I mean, for me, you know, that's all That's all I have for today. You guys got anything else? Uh, I think nope. that's it. All right. So, we want to wrap it up today. We got Nez Hoover here on Bars Loaded, Episode 2. And uh, make sure and go and follow us on Instagram. Like us on Facebook. Go check out uh, my boy, Cruel Hand Luke. He's, he is now has... Three Instagram posts. That's true. Officially. He's, so let's He's get him over 200 now. followers. Um, <laughs> wish uh, Mrs. NFP good luck. She's got a show in what? Two weeks? Two Le- weeks. Less than two weeks. It, um, 11 days. Phoenix Europa. 11 days. Uh, go follow her. Where, where can they follow you at, Ash? Ash Cakes. On Instagram. On Instagram. Ash underscore cakes. And then... Uh, also, go follow Mr. NFP. And we even got the CrossFit Beaver over here. Follow CrossFit Beaver. And again, thanks for all the support. And that's about it. Until next time. Until next, Til time. next time. If any of you are out at the Phoenix Europa, look for us. We're, we're definitely going to be out yes. there and be uh, making sure we talk to a lot of people and full effect. Full effect. 500 pounds. 500 pounds. (laughs) There we go.